the introduction for this one is I'm very grateful to all the excellent teachers I had, especially my mother, my aunts, and other female relatives, friends, and neighbors. I was born in a time, 1944, when raising children seemed to be the most important responsibility females had. Their homes were run with rules, order, and organization. They had strong, sound philosophies that taught children to love, honor, and respect themselves, thereby teaching the children to love, honor, and respect others. They were on a mission to teach their children to stand proudly on their own two feet. Virtually all of them were excellent teachers. I watched, I listened, and I learned. When I gave birth to my son, I started using those same rules and philosophies to raise him. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Darian Parker back with Dr. D's Social Network and today's episode is chock full of wisdom, incredible wisdom about marriage and raising children. My guest today, Joyce Fields, has 64 years of experience of being in a partnership and also raising two awesome kids, man, who are adults now and just chock full of all this wisdom that I think we need more than ever right now. And Joyce dropped some serious, serious advice For anybody who's looking to be in a partnership, raise children, this is for you, Joyce Fields. Okay, we're here with Joyce Fields. Joyce, too blessed to be stressed. Love that, by the way. Love that. Now, where did you come up with that? Tell me a little bit about where that phrase came from for you. Oh my God, I've been saying that for years now. Mm. Um, I must have heard somebody say it or read it somewhere and mm-hmm. just adapted it into my own life. Interesting. And been saying it ever since and truly believing it. I mean, that's wonderful. I mean, it feels like a very faith-based feeling related to that. I mean, I, I can resonate with that. Is that where it's from? I'm sure it is. Yeah. Too blessed to be stressed. I think that we all are too blessed to be stressed. Yeah. You you got your five senses that you, you got 90%. (laughs) (laughs) You're 90% of the way there when you get there, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what I feel about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing I'm really amazed by is 63 years of marriage that you've had here. No, 60, 64 years together. 64 50, years. 54 together. years of marriage. 54 you know, we, years. Well, yeah. I mean, 63, 64 is a long time for anything yeah. in life. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a long time for anything. Go on. <laughs> yeah, 60. We've been together 64 years since we were 13 years old. And we're both 77. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's incredible. I would love to learn, I think for our listeners, they can't even comprehend that type of length of time with someone. How did it start? It's really, (laughs) Dr. Parker is really kind of strange because I was 13 years old when I met him. Now at 13, I don't know if you know any young (laughs) girls at 13 (laughs) that know who they want to (laughs) marry. It was like I was guided to Mm. him. You know, I, I can't explain it any other way. Um, because at, at 13, I, I, I didn't have a clue as to who I was going to marry, but that's who I 
the old folks used to say, that's who I set my cap for. <laughs> that's what they all used to say. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, no. So we just uh, started going to the show and well, going on the playground, you know, and, and all the rest of the boys had, uh, they wore blue jeans and gym shoes and all that. And, and he wore dress pants and, and street, you know, nice shoes, you know, Stetson yeah. shoes. Mm. And uh, yeah, back then he wore Stetson, Stetson shoes and Stetson hats back in 1957. Wow. So um, that's, he had other girlfriends <laughs> and I knew that, and, you know, back in that day, we didn't call it cheating. We called it messing around. Messing around. <laughs> uh -huh. He's uh -huh. messing around on her, you know. Mm -hmm. and that kind of, but I didn't say that they didn't use the word cheating. He's cheating yeah. on her, you know. Right. So we didn't use those terms. Yeah. So well, how did this you know, progress? Like said, he, you had, know? he had a lot of other girlfriends. And uh, yeah. so I just decided that I was going to be the best one. You're going to be the best. That's right. <laughs> the number one. Yeah. I made up my mind that that's what I was going to do. My goodness. Now, when did you get married, actually? We went together at, at 13. So, you know, he was just taking me to the show and mm -hmm. playing on the playground at Castle. We got married at 23. So we went together for 10 years. Yeah. The, we got married at 23. And then that's the rest is history. You know? The rest is, I'm sure there's a lot in between there. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's why I wrote that book. The best way to keep a man is to let him go, among so other things. So let's get into that. That's a good segue into it. The motivation for this book and some big takeaways uh, from the title, clearly. Okay. Now, the title, uh, let me read the introduction. It's a brief yeah. introduction. The introduction. The best way to keep a man is to let him go. My late mother-in-law told me that in 1959, when I was 15 years old. At that time, her son, Frederick, everybody calls him Pap, was my boyfriend. I let him go, and on March 31st, 2008, we celebrated 51 years of being together. Then on June 3rd, 2008, we celebrated our 41st wedding anniversary. While my mother-in-law put it into words, I watched my mother put it into action. She let my father go and they were happily married for almost 35 years until his death in 1974. Let him go doesn't mean don't care. It means be secure enough within yourself that you don't freak out if he's not with you and you don't know exactly where he is. Let him go means don't try to control where he can go or what time he must return or leave. Let him go means don't try to control him, period. Let him go means don't try so hard to change him. After you have paid your dues, you may tread lightly in this area, but be careful. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. In addition to letting him go, I have observed the need for and used other philosophies and behaviors to help keep me and my man in a warm, loving, and peaceful relationship. My thinking was, he may go, but he'll always come home if I make coming home worth it. But what kinds 
of things can I do to make it worth coming home? Mm. Well, then it goes into the book. Wow. And the, one of the first pages that says, take heed. Based on my 50 plus years of observation, I would say that 80% of the success of a relationship rests on the shoulders of the woman. This book explains why. Wow. It's so only goodness. 64 pages and it has 22 pages of recipes. The last chapter is entitled, The Way to a Man's Heart is Through His Stomach. <laughs> that saying is older than I am. And I'm 77, so that saying is well past 100 years old. I'm, I'm sure of it. Yeah. So the, the recipes in the book, I start out with desserts. Apple pie, banana mm. pudding, and yet these pound cake that's been in the family, the recipe has been in the family for over 50 years. Lemon cream pie, pineapple or cherry cream cheese pie. Uh, it's my husband's favorite and my son's favorite. That's their favorite dessert. Spaghetti meat sauce, lasagna, chili, macaroni and cheese. I've given my macaroni and cheese recipe to lots of people. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Mashed potatoes pepper steak, skillet chicken and rice. That's a recipe that I made up. It's, mm. I salivate when I'm cooking it. Oh dog. my goodness, sounds good. Uh, you like chicken? I love chicken. You like rice? Love rice. You like uh, chicken broth and onions? Yes, I do. That's all that's in it. It's oh. Chicken, rice, broth, and onions. You just put a bed of onions in and you lay the seasoned chicken on top of it and put some broth in there and let that simmer. Mm -hmm. Cook some rice on the side with some chicken broth. After that gets done, you mix it all together. And Lord, have mercy. <laughs> uh, tuna salad, oven fried chicken, beef stew, top of the stove, chuck roast. I put my chuck roast on top of the stove. I don't put it in the oven. I think the oven dries it out. Interesting. Meatloaf, chicken and dressing dry beans or peas with smoked turkey, greens or cabbage with smoked turkey. And the last recipe is sauteed cabbage, which I love. Mm, me too. Yes. Wow. What a awesome, you know, you mentioned about the 80% rest on the woman's shoulders. Can you talk uh, a little bit about that, a little bit deeper? Okay, I'll go into the, the chapter headings. Yeah. Okay. That'll tell you a lot about okay. why I say that. Uh, modify the way you think. This is for females. Hmm. Modify the way you think. Uh, then the, there's 16 chapters in here. The first mm -hmm. chapter is modify the way you think. The next chapter, observe and learn your man. Next chapter, be willing and ready to pay your dues. Next one, fantasy versus reality. That's a big, that's <laughs> that's a a big, big one. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I really cover a lot. Like yeah. That one a lot. Uh, learn how to fight. Remember that you have faults too. Yeah. Nothing is too precious for him. Think before you speak. Mm. Always be a lady. If he has children, accept and treat them as your own. Don't take man advice from a woman who has no man. <laughs> That is a huge, 
huge. When women wow. listen to other women, <laughs> ooh, that's big. Mm. Uh, look good 99% of the time. I like looking like eye candy. I, I like eye candy myself. Love that. Love yes. that. Don't use sex as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Don't depend on your man to make you happy. Happiness comes from inside. Yes, yes. Pray and laugh together. Yes. And then the last chapter, as I said, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. So there are 16 chapters in this book. And it's only 64 pages, which includes the 22 pages of recipes that I read. Right to the point. You get right to the point on this. God blessed me with the (laughs) talent for being succinct. Yeah, so yeah yeah i say a lot in a few words tell me a little bit about the modify your thinking i mean i don't want to give away all this with your book but just maybe a little bit modify your oh, thinking yeah. what that's, does that that's... mean in your okay. mind it's not realistic to expect make-believe and storybook happiness there have been bride dolls forever but until recently there were no groom dolls on the wedding day The bride may be nervous, but she is radiant and confident. She's probably been waiting for this day most of her life while playing with her dolls, talking about it with her girlfriends and fantasizing about it. Now look at just about any groom on his wedding day. And he is fish like a fish out of water. (laughs) He probably has not spent a lot of time daydreaming about getting or being married to anybody. And the way most men act, a wedding is akin to a funeral for freedom and fun. The bachelor party is seen as the groom's last hurrah. (laughs) (laughs) A huge percentage of females read romance novels and magazines. I was one of them. Hmm. But those publications have no equivalent in the kingdom of the males. (laughs) So females learn to be romantic, not realistic. Mm. I wanted to be realistic with a little romantic thrown in. So I thought I should be patient while he learns and experiences that I am a good mate for him and he is a good mate for me. As females, we are taught that On an emotional level, we mature faster than males. Most women don't seem to understand what that means. Mm -hmm. To me, it means we are usually quicker to act responsibly, quicker to be tolerant and understanding, quicker to forgive, quicker to observe and learn about the relationship, quicker to temporarily put our feelings aside, quicker to settle into domesticity. That's a really big one yeah quicker to sacrifice so if we mature faster we cannot expect men to become excellent mates as soon as they say i do Mm. we cannot expect them to immediately settle into domesticity and then the book goes it's it's yeah yeah i mean that's powerful i think it's there's a lot of wisdom in that as i think for men i mean i've been married 17 years it's been awesome and I think that I've become a good partner, probably really good partner in the last 10 years. Yes. I would say. Yes. I think beginning, I had a lot of ego uh-huh. and I didn't really know like what to do so uh-huh. much. 
Yes. And, but I think you got to, you grow into that. Whereas yes. I feel like my wife was like, she, she made it easier for me in the beginning. And I feel like, she, you know, she kind of, even though she didn't have experience being married, but I feel like men, like, it's weird. Like there's really no coaching into it. And then you, this weird bachelor party, like last hurrah, that's weird to me. I think <laughs> like what, like your life is over or something like yeah. <laughs> you can't have fun anymore. That's crazy uh -huh. to me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. I'm you know, glad you got it. I think so. I try. <laughs> I think I feel yeah, like yeah. I'm a better spouse now than I was in the beginning. That's how I feel at this point. That's what counts. Yeah. And getting better, I feel. But yeah. the mindset, it feels like, so what you're saying feels like, like for women being married to men, that women are bearing the brunt of the responsibility of the success of the marriage is what you're saying. That's the way it goes. That's now, what I have observed, you know? And I mean, I don't say that lightly, uh, but it's all about, I observe, I watch yeah. people. Uh, and I learn a lot from that. And you don't, yeah. you, you don't need to say anything or vocalize anything about mm. what you're observing. You know, just learn. And um, I see older couples who are in their 80s and 90s. Now, we're in our 70s. Yeah, we're yeah. 77. So we're close to that right now. And um, I used to observe those couples long time ago, long yeah. before we were married for as long as we've been married. Yeah. And I observed all these older couples. And what I observed was the man would sit back and allow, not even so much as allow, but the woman was, was taking charge because mm -hmm. he learned that he could trust her judgment yeah. and her decisions and her opinions and all of those things. He knew that he could take care, uh, she would take care of them, all of that stuff. You know, so, yeah. and that's what I learned. So you, you, it's almost like a savings account. It's the way I look at it. Hmm. You have to put in a whole lot before you can take <laughs> out a whole lot. <laughs> Do you ever encounter pushback about how you view this from maybe people today's society and culture, well, which I think you. is very different from what Hell you're saying. Oh yes. <laughs> right. I mean, we got to talk about a, that. Oh. I get a lot of pushback from these younger girls because they're, they're talking about, I just learned this term maybe uh, within the last year, getting the bag. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly what yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, I know about. exactly what you're saying, yeah. Yes, getting the bag. And see, this is what I think that uh, a lot of this has to do with these movies and the, the TV mm. shows that these young ladies are watching. Yeah, females are the backbone of societies. Mm. Did you know that we are all born, we're all conceived as female? Right, right. Yeah, we're all conceived as female. Women, men have to go through a whole lot more in order to get their junk. <laughs> so we're, we start out as females. That's why men have breasts, I mean, have nipples. Yeah. They don't, they don't, they have useless breasts, <laughs> but men can get breast cancer, but right. they still have useless breasts. And then it takes a whole lot more. And that's why I think that is why uh, women mature faster than men, mm. because we're born, we're, we're, I said born, we're conceived as female. Mm. So 
nothing happens to us. We are we're cons- we already come in here ready to go. <laughs> Y'all got to take a long time. I actually think I was reading a book about uh, like equity in society and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And it mentioned how like when women become more educated and we lift up women in any society that the society yes. becomes dramatically better yes. when women are better in society. Yes. And I yes. thought, man, I think that's true. That feels true to me. You it know? is true. We are the, we are the nurturers. Yeah. We take care of everybody. We, we feed that's them. True. Yes. You know, so women are the, the, the rock. Yeah. And we always have them. What do you say about, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of like marriage rates currently and how the institution of marriage, I feel like, you know, the divorce rate's pretty high. And then there's people who are just married a long time and they just, they don't really like each other, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. what do you, what do you think's wrong with Maybe not. Maybe it's not the right way of saying it. What is the what is marriage today in your terms? How do you view how how the institution of marriage is today in today's society? I I view it as very. It's a disruptive institution now mm. um, because of the movies, and the reason why I say that is back in 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 the day. Um, I'm old school. Mm-hmm. I can't help it that I'm old school, but uh, I was raised to be respectful and all of those things, the, the old values, let's say. Um, but these movies now, when, when we were coming up, it started out, you didn't even see a man and his wife in the bed together. Yeah. They had double beds, mm-hmm. but that was unrealistic right? because we knew that uh, they did sleep together. But now when they had uh, romance scenes, let's call them romance scenes back in the day, sex scenes today. Yeah. There's a big difference. Right. Uh, When they went into the bedroom, the door closed. That was our signal that what's going on behind this door is private. You have to use your imagination to see what's going on behind this closed door. Now, I think that uh, today's movies, they not only show what's going on behind closed doors, they go into a lot of detail and that's really bad for children to see so much sex uh, and violence. And then we wonder why these kids are sexual and violent. That doesn't even make sense. We're teaching it to them. Right. So uh, back in the day, you didn't see all of this. And we had a chance to use our imaginations as far as arguments were concerned. Everything. We had to use our imaginations. And we're not using imaginations too much anymore. We are we we now have toys that think for the children. Yeah. uh, All this kind of stuff. So we're, we're we're losing our ability to think for ourselves. Yeah, in many ways, I think mm-hmm. in many ways in society. And I think marriage is a hot topic, I think a lot, because there are so many people very ill-prepared for it. Mm-hmm. So, but so this, we're socialized yeah, differently. We are. Yeah. We are. 
And it's still this whole thing. I always think that people get so worked up about the idea of the wedding, that that Ooh. is the penultimate event, but it's really a very tiny portion of the whole thing. Oh my God, is it ever? I, I put something on social media uh, as far as, they said something on Twitter. Uh, do you believe in big weddings or something like mm -hmm. that? I said, save your money. You got to live <laughs> after you get married. That's true. <laughs> save your money, everyone. Yes, yes. You, and now not only that, but it's all done for appearances. That's right. It, it, uh, it would just be so much better if, <laughs> but just have small weddings, mm -hmm. save their money, go on their home honeymoon or do whatever uh it's just it's for everybody else it's for uh to impress other people yeah totally and that's the wrong reason i think it's and that's like i feel like that's where people put all their energy into yes is the wedding and then they realize <laughs> they wake up they're like wait a minute we actually have to be married to each other yeah and work on this i you know, know. That's, that's strange true. i had a small wedding i really enjoyed it it was like it was so much fun and it was on purpose because I knew that this wasn't, this was just a very small portion mm -hmm. thing. Also, I had a good model. My parents have been married for 40 plus years and they love each other still tremendously. I see it and they were a good model for me. And I realized that the wedding was just a tiny thing mm -hmm. and that the rest of the life was, that was going to be the big thing. But I think we don't teach people that we socialize them into like these crazy weddings on TV and Yes, no, that's exactly. It's crazy to me, actually. Yeah, it it's is. Foolish. It is very foolish. So, yeah. yeah. And then um, when I talk about, um, remember that you have faults too. Mm. Uh, this is, uh, let me see. Yeah, talk about that. I mean, I think that's an interesting. What discussion. is a fault? The, the chapter starts out, what is a fault? Well, according to the American Heritage Dictionary of the English language, a fault is, quote, something that prevents perfection, unquote. When women get together, if the discussion turns to male-female relationships and men's behavior and faults, and it almost always does, <laughs> I have never heard a woman make any statement relative to the fact that her man has to put up with her faults mm. from listening to women you think that females don't have faults and to this very day i yeah. have i have never heard a woman talk about the fact that her man has to put up with her faults but <laughs> she'll talk and i mean in the beauty shop we used to do this all the time yeah of course uh uh then they would be talking about their men it just would be i'll be sitting there listening to them talk about their men like dogs so I don't know. I mean, but what does that they, they happen? Don't have faults. You know what's in? I mean, I think you could take that to a lot of things. It's like if you're talking to some friends or whoever, and, and you say, "Oh, you know, this person they hurt me, they did that." Whoever says, "Well, you know, a lot of it's my fault, though." You know, like who says that? You know, I know. what I mean? Like, <laughs> and there's true. there's power in that though. Like somebody yeah. says, "You know, I need to own my portion of this," but who does that? Seriously, I know. That's one of the big problems with relationships. Yeah. 
Everyone wants to be right or they want to cast the other person as being the villain mm-hmm. in the story. You know, like you can never be the villain, essentially. You know. Yeah. So that's one of the the the, uh, the chapters as far as <laughs> don't take man don't take man advice from a woman who has no man. <laughs> that's funny. It's like when somebody doesn't have children and they try to tell you about like yeah, children. same thing, same thing. Like where what? <laughs> mm-hmm. I have always been amazed by a manless woman, by manless women, who try to tell another woman how to treat her man. I remember a time when Pap, my husband's name is Pap, that's mm-hmm. what I, everybody calls him, Pap. Yeah, uh, and I had been married for about five or six years, and we had some friends over. Pap asked me to get him a glass of water. We both were about the same distance from the kitchen sink. One manless woman jokingly, question mark, mm-hmm. spoke out. You're just as close to the sink as she is. Get your own water. <laughs> Pap did not reply. Without <laughs> saying a word, I took him a glass of water. My thinking was, you don't have a man. How can you tell me how to treat mine? If I follow your advice, I won't have a man either. And you'll probably be first in line trying to get him after he leaves me. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But they, that's what they do. They talk bad about him. And uh, you, don't, you shouldn't even listen to a woman who talks bad about her own relationship. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I it mean, is. that's really amazing. It, it, it is. Talk a little bit about the whole, again, kind of the letting go. Cause you know, I, again, when I think what res, what really pulled me towards you is I'm thinking about your book and about letting your man go, right? It's a big statement, right? And people say, oh, what does that mean, Joyce? But I also think about my own relationship and that I feel my wife has done that with me in many ways. Like she doesn't try to control me. Mm-hmm. doesn't go what time you come in and out like I'm like oh my gosh that's and and that's not a weakness in my wife I think she just recognized this is just who he is this is the things he likes to do like I like to go out of town you know once every couple months to Las Vegas I go I have friends there I enjoy spending time with them but she's never like why are you doing this why you know it's not like it, and I but I think for some people might be like well you need to keep tabs on them like well that's the wrong thing to do I think yeah, it is. is to closely hold on to something so tight that you got to know their every move, you know? That's a smart woman you got. Uh, I you know, man. <laughs> 17 years, we're going to keep holding on. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what one of the things that we did. We said that uh, divorce or separation are not options. Mm-hmm. We have to settle our differences. And we always, we never go to bed angry. Yes. That's a, that's advice that has been given uh, from uh, long married couples yeah, since forever. You for don't sure. go to bed mad at each other because something can happen yeah. overnight. And then that person may or may not wake up the next day. Yeah. And then you have to carry that around for the rest of your life. Yeah, most definitely. And you know, I, my whole thing is em, kind of embrace the conflict a little bit. So like if we're going to have a discussion and it is, uh, an argument or something. I always tell my wife, you know, we should embrace this, embrace this because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move forward because of this. Mm-hmm. We're gonna learn something about each other from this conflict that we're happen we're happening. 
we're having, and we're going to move forward. We're going to learn something that hopefully propels us to say, okay, now we have to grow from this. But if you avoid the conflict, you never grow from it. And it just festers. It continues to fester underneath that rug. And that rug is big, man. It gets big. So you have to move into the eye of the storm. You have to, you know. Well, this is what the one of the chapters is learn how to fight. There are arguments and then there are, quote, heated discussions slash debates, unquote. In an argument, usually someone is trying to, quote, win, unquote. Maybe both people are trying to, quote, win, unquote. Mm. In the process of trying to, quote, win, unquote, words can become dangerous weapons. A person can say mean and ugly things and later be sorry, but it can be too late to be sorry. Yeah. In a heated discussion or debate, each person is sharing his or her point of view, feelings, observations, experiences, and opinions. The goal is mutual understanding, or if that can't be reached, agreeing to disagree. But winning is not an issue. When you have a disagreement, choose your words and actions wisely. One word or phrase or action can lead to another. Then before you know it, the situation has escalated and you're headed for separation or divorce. Yeah. So you have to be very careful when you're having a disagreement. Oh, man, I to- totally agree. And it's one of the big pillars of my relationship is that we're not going to say kind of these low blow statements to each other. We're not going to go below the belt. We're not going to say things that are so damaging that yes. it's hard to recover from mm-hmm. that. But, you know, people do that a lot, though. Oh, they yes, get angry they and they say the worst things that mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. don't forget about that. They don't forget that you said those things. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You can, you know, it's, 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 uh, there's a thing about forgiving and forgetting. Mm -hmm. I can't remember now how exactly how it goes, but it's, it's, it's naive to forgive and forget. It's wise to forgive, but not forget or something. It's Mm -hmm. it's three things like that. Okay. You know, to forgive and forget kind of thing. Yeah. So you, you, you should forgive, but you can't forget. Yeah. It's, that's, it's stupid to forgive and forget. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I think you really have to be careful about, you're like the words as weapons, they're damaging and they have long lasting consequences. Mm-hmm. And some, mm-hmm. so I think how are people supposed to go into a marriage if they're not prepared with this type of advice for yes. them, you know, yes. or if they have bad role models or people examples and their parents said terrible things to each other and Mm -hmm. they saw they mimic that what they see you know well i also have a book called mother's dozen an easy recipe for raising great kids Mm. and that one is 48 pages (laughs) to the point (laughs) yeah again you know i mean you make child now child raising 48 pages somebody's like whoa you, I mean, you gonna give me the answers of 48 pages? Yes, sir. I sure will. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. I can't now, wait to hear this. All right. The foreword was written by a minister. Okay. Uh, when I finished the manuscript, I sent it off to the reputable uh, publishing houses. Yeah. They all rejected it and sent it back to me and said they only published the uh, child rearing books that were written by celebrities, 
ministers or psychologists. That's okay. what they said. This was like 30 years ago. Yeah. So um, I, did, I did the next best thing. I had a, I have a cousin who attended uh, one of the biggest churches in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I emailed the manuscript to the minister and asked him if he would uh, be so kind as to read it and consider writing a forward. Yeah. He read it and sent me back this amazing forward. This is brief. It's brief too, this forward. Mother's Dozen is a handbook of excellence in raising children. It systematizes the rules passed from generation to generation regarding preparing children for the world to come. It involves tough love. It encompasses touchy-feely. It establishes fences that keep the wolf out and the sheep safe. It is common sense, the most uncommon thing in the world, particularly in this present age of negative imaging and self-raised, quote, rugrats, unquote. Mm. The quest is not for something new, but for something substantial. It is here. Every line brings an aha experience. The head nods yes, the will prods action. Well done, well done. Reverend Cecil L. Chip Murray, First AME Church, Los Angeles, retired. So when he sent me that forward, I'll, if I wasn't sitting down, I'd fail down because <laughs> it was just absolutely awesome. Yeah. So um, the introduction for this one is I'm very grateful to all the excellent teachers I had, especially my mother, my aunts, and other female relatives, friends, and neighbors. I was born in a time, 1944, when raising children seemed to be the most important responsibility females had. Their homes were run with rules, order, and organization. They had strong, sound philosophies that taught children to love, honor, and respect themselves, thereby teaching the children to love, honor, and respect others. They were on a mission to teach their children to stand proudly on their own two feet. Virtually all of them were excellent teachers. I watched, I listened, and I learned. When I gave birth to my son, I started using those same rules and philosophies to raise him. To this day, I am frequently complimented, especially by elders, on how well my son turned out. I wanted to write this book because of the negative unhealthy mother-child interactions Mm -hmm. I regularly see and hear in malls, supermarkets, schools, parks, stores, practically everywhere. (laughs) It's not easy raising children, but as mothers, we can do a lot to help ourselves and our children. Looking back, I think the most important, quote, ingredients, unquote, can be put into 12 categories. Now, I say mother's dozen, an easy recipe for raising great kids, Mm. though these are the 12 ingredients or categories. Number one, start from infancy. Number two, manners. Number three, love for learning. Number four, responsibility. Number five, rules, order, and organization. Number six, independence. Number seven, spirituality or a higher power. Mm. Number eight, affection. Number nine, discipline, self-control. Number 10, feed interests. 
Number 11, obedience. And number 12, patience. Mm. Those are the ingredients. And I tell you how to instill all of these in your child. I tell you one thing in there that, re that really I think is missing in today's child rearing mm. is the spirituality aspect and mm -hmm. the lack of mm -hmm. uh, something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. I think the society has become a little less um, about that. And I think, actually, I think it's a mistake. I really do. Oh, most definitely. I think it's a it huge is. mistake. I know it that's is. probably controversial to some people, but. Oh yeah, well, that's okay. That's okay. I'm going to say what I got to say. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a huge mistake because I think there's a tremendous value system mm -hmm. in that, that you're missing out on. Yes, most definitely. And now I want to, uh, Go ahead. Uh, I want to read you um, what makes my son so great. Mm. He's 51 years old now. And these are the, the things that I instilled in him, all these ingredients. Yeah. I did this with him. He is always mannerable. He is very polite and respectful, especially with his elders. He loves to learn and experiments with new approaches in order to learn more. He is a responsible person and does not expect others to pay for his mistakes or wrong choices. He suffers negative consequences with dignity. Mm. He consciously lives his life with rules, order, and organization, thereby minimizing tension, stress, anger, conflict, and confusion. He is independent and seldom borrows or asks for assistance. He is exceedingly spiritual with a powerful belief in God. He regularly vocalizes his awareness of and thankfulness for his many blessings. He enjoys giving and receiving hugs and kisses. He usually takes care of must before shoulds, needs before wants, and business before pleasure. He demonstrates that he can effectively follow rules and instructions when appropriate. He is patient, seldom loses his temper, and uses time wisely. And the last thing, uh, he has a truckload of family members and friends who love, admire, and respect him and often seek his opinion or point of view. And that includes me. I admire my own child. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. I admire my own child. I, I did an excellent job with that human being. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> yes. Boom. And it's only, like I said, it's 48 pages. Yeah. And people ask me all the time how you teach patience to a child. You teach that by withholding. So mothers in supermarkets and, and all these other places that they, they go into, mm -hmm. they'll say, if they try to bargain with the child, yeah, that's crazy. give me a break. That's so, yeah. Uh, if you behave, Johnny, I'll give you a cookie. No. No. Uh-uh. You tell Johnny, you wait five minutes and I'll give you a cookie. Or you yeah. wait 10 minutes and I'll give you a cookie. Or you wait a half an hour and I, you, mm -hmm. it depends on how old the child is. You, sure. you got to learn how. You, if they're old enough to ask for it, they're old enough to wait. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's how you teach them patience. Yeah. And you teach them that you're going to be on their jocks for mm -hmm. forever. So you teach them that by mothers have the tendency of saying to a child, 
uh, I'll be back. And then they go on and they do whatever it was they mm -hmm. were going to be doing. The child is. Yeah. And then the mother comes back and the child is learning. Oh, I can do whatever I want to do right. while she's gone. That's right. So no, you, you, you have to sneak back. <laughs> say, yeah. You have to sneak back. So you gotta, yeah. you gotta teach them. You're liable to come back any second. That's right. See, that's how you gotta do it. <laughs> Actually, you sound like my mom a lot. Like, <laughs> my mom's 68 and she, uh, I think did a phenomenal job raising my brother and I, and I mm -hmm. think she did most of what you have talked about here. Honestly. Yes. Yes. And I never, I, my mom says very similar things to me that you've said about your son mm -hmm. and to my brother. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you, my, my son, I just, it tickles me, uh, Darian, the way he puts me in my place. If I step off of his <laughs> business, because he was taught, he was raised yeah. to be respectful. If you, he can disagree with me anytime, but he can be just, he has to be respectful when he yeah. disagrees with me. So now he's 51 years old. And if I step off into his business, I'm gonna always have something to say. <laughs> okay. <get> so <laughs> that's my child. That's so right. He, he has a way. I love the way he does it. He says, all he says is, Ma, I'm big now. <laughs> I'm big now. <laughs> that puts me in my place. Okay. Okay. Amazing. I mean, these are such valuable lessons. And honestly, in a time where we need these lessons more than ever uh, yeah. as people, partners and spouses and parents, we need the wisdom. You know, sometimes we lose wisdom throughout the years, well, you know, you may be interested to know that I just started posting this one last night on, I'm going to post it on, uh, I started on, on Twitter. I'm, mm -hmm. I haven't done it on Facebook yet. I'm going to post it today. I put, both of these books together. Yeah. This is the best way to keep a man is to let him go and mothers doesn't. In a tweet, and it says, it starts with relationships, then you raise children or something like that. And so these books, these two books help you to succeed in both. Mm. That's amazing. So the relationships first, then come the kids. Yeah. So. It, it'll help you to create and maintain a good relationship and it will help you to raise respectful, dependable, uh, just virtuous children. Yeah. Wow. Joyce, I got to tell you, I'm always surprised when I do these. I mean, I've done hundreds and hundreds of these podcasts and I am getting an education all the time. And this is just another educational opportunity, not only for me, but for the audience. And this is a, this topic is desperately needed for most I people. think so. Desperately. That's, that's why I'm doing this. Uh, I just had the uh, thought yesterday, last night, to do the, both the books, the relationship yeah. and, and the child rear. Wonderful. Well, listen, mm -hmm. Joyce, this has been a pleasure, a real pleasure. Go to goodshortbooks.com. Do it. Goodshortbooks.com. And combined, the books are like a little over 100 pages, apparently, like combined. So you yes. should be, I mean, you know, there's a lot and a lot of wisdom. And obviously, this episode is chock full of wisdom. So, Joyce, thank you for being on. I really thank appreciate it. Thank you very much, too. And uh, I look forward to getting some feedback about this. This is pretty big stuff. So thank you. Uh, let me know.
You got it. Okay, thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.